think a really, really good show. Yeah, today. you know, I, East I've been Tennessee so excited about is it. so full of history. It is. It, it, it is, is just it's rich just with history. Unbelievable. And yeah. you know, going back, in fact, not too long ago, we did the the wonderful tour of uh, Fort Loudoun. Yeah, we did the State video. Park, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that takes you all the way back to the French Indian Wars. Right. So, right. well, yes. we're we're going to we're going to stay in that period a little bit because yeah, our we are, our guest that's coming in today yeah has got just a plethora of information about another legend of East Tennessee that probably had one of the greatest impacts on the Cherokee people. Yes. And yes, oh, yes. wait till you hear the story of this this yeah, guy. Every, he was re just incredible. Remarkable, remarkable man, really. So a true so, yeah. genius of his time. <clears throat> yeah, obviously. So. <laughs> once, you, once you hear about him. <laughs> and I'll tell you, we got all the information you're gonna you're just gonna be amazed at everything that we got. And you're going to want to visit this place because it is fabulous and it's got a great yeah, history really for, for the Cherokee people and, of course, for the gentleman himself, which is Sequoia. Yeah. So, you know, without any further ado, I want to introduce yep. you to Charlie Rodarmer, who is the director of the Sequoia Birthplace Museum. Charlie, say hello to yes, all the welcome. folks for us and welcome. Good morning, welcome. Well, thank you for having me on your show, oh. Mr. <laughs> and Mrs. Claus. We're, we're so thrilled you were able to make it out. Yeah. Now, the Sequoia Birthplace Museum is actually down the 411 and, and where we were at the Fort Loudon, which yes. is just outside of Maryville, and mm -hmm. you get into Venor. Right, right. He's just like about not even a half mile down the road. Kind of from across the, the Fort, road, really. Yeah, yeah. almost yeah. right yeah. across the road. Yeah. And it's a fabulous place. I mean, we, we've been there, and we're probably going to do a live video. We there, are. You we know, are. going yep. forward. Mm -hmm. But, Charlie, I'm going to leave this up to you because this man was so fascinating, and I don't want to take any time away. Explain to us how a person who was completely illiterate himself and had no previous background in, in languages developed an entire syllabary for the Cherokee people and everything. Oh, well, yeah. Do we start have talking. <laughs> Do we have two hours? Yeah, yeah. I know. Well, <laughs> it's a condensed version. <laughs> yeah, give us, give us the cliff notes. <laughs> Well, it's, it's a progression. Um, we know, um, you know, as he was growing up, he was a very talented artist and he would draw pictures. He could draw a bison like no one else could draw a bison. You looked at it and it was so realistic. Mm. Um, and one mentioned that uh, he could draw a person's face and you could look at it and recognize the person. So he was very artistic. Um, he, uh, he teaches himself to silversmith at some point and then, uh, then he ends up becoming a blacksmith. And what he would have done is he, there's, uh, uh, when Teleco Lake was created, um, yes. that formed an island. And so 360 goes across the island. And so everything on the left side of the road is Fort Loud State Historic Area. And then everything on the right side is Sequoia Birthplace Museum. Oh, okay. Um, now, Sequoia would have been born somewhere around the village of Tuskegee around 1776, you know, either in the village or somewhere close to that area. Um, now as he grows up, 
And while I mentioned the fort, there's also another historical site, which is the Teleco Blockhouse, which is across yep. the river exactly. from yeah. the yes. fort. So, uh -huh. yep. uh, you know, you can spend pretty much a whole day right there you in the sure little Yeah, Very easily yeah. and just get a tremendous amount of history. Oh, yeah. some great history. And just up the road was a Civil War battle. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of things that took place right, right in that little spot. Well, and if you could keep going beyond the museum, there's a lot of um, grave markers and that kind of thing for the Cherokee people, is there not? Well, yeah, there's a, a number of markers around. In Von Orr, the little town, is also uh, the Von Orr His uh, History Museum. Uh, and then you can go down a little bit farther. Of course, there's Glossy uh, Cave. Um, so there's a lot of sites right in there, but to kind of come back to Sequoia, yes. that, that Teleco Blockhouse, uh, was a, it was built to keep, uh, they would run patrols out of there to make sure that no whites were encroaching on Cherokee land. Mm. Uh, and so they were running patrols out of there to keep that from happening. Now, Thomas Jefferson comes up with a plan called the Americanization Program. <laughs> and the Americanization Program was to take and teach all the natives, not just the Cherokee, but to teach them to be just like the little European settler. Mm -hmm. uh, live on a, a set acre farm, build their own uh, house, um, raise their own food, uh, sell the surplus to make money, teach them industrial arts like blacksmithing, coopering, tinker, uh, uh, tinsmithing. Uh -huh. And then there again could make their own money, more money. Um, and basically what would happen, the whole purpose of this, when you look at it, is then the for the example of the Cherokee, they don't need parts of eight states exactly. to go hunting in anymore. And what can we do with all that extra land? Yeah. <laughs> Sell it and make money. So that's right, yeah. So Sequoia is a student of that of the the uh, the factory. Uh, that's where he would have learned to uh, the finer points of blacksmithing would have been there. Uh, there's a reference that he was living a mile and a quarter from Nine Mile Creek runs into the Tennessee, which would have put it, he was living a mile and a quarter from the blockhouse. So okay. he, and he learned silversmithing and blacksmithing and I mean, he, he picked up like all kinds of traits. Didn't he, he was, yeah, I mean, he was a very a renaissance man. I mean, he was just, a, you know, he seemed to be able to learn, do different things um, very quickly. He was very brilliant, you know. Um, Obviously. <laughs> and that's one of the things, there's a lot of rumors and things that come around that talk about, um, for instance, uh, uh, they say Sequoia saw officers writing orders during the War of 1812. Um, and that gave him the idea that we could do that for the Cherokee language. We could create it a way of putting it on paper. Now, to go back and actually get back into the story, so Sequoia learns to blacksmith. And he must have been, what it tells me is he was a very good blacksmith because his problem was he couldn't remember what people owed him for the, the work he did. And so because of that, the, you know, the Cherokees, you give me two apples, you give me two apples, I have four apples. Now the Cherokee right. could say that in their language, but they had no numbering system to write two plus two equals four. They had no number characters, no number symbols. Okay. They had no characters or symbols to put, she gave me two apples, he gave me two apples, so therefore I have four apples. So they couldn't put that on paper. And so what Sequoia does first is he developed a numbering system. And he, uh, this was at the Gilcrease Museum in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And it shows his symbols and, uh, that he used for numbering. And he counts from one all the way 
to a million. Holy cow. A million? So he could count up to 999,999,999. So, um, so he developed this numbering system and he then would take a piece of paper and he would draw a picture of your face and using this numbering system, put down what he, you owed him for his work. <laughs> <laughs> Helps when you're an illustrator and yeah. a genius. So, so he not only... So did the numbering system come before the alphabet system? Yes. This okay, so this was before. his first idea. Oh, so wow. he and, and see, well, I guess it's, it's, it's a necessity. For, for instance, when I was in college, I actually worked my way through college blacksmithing. And I had no problem ever remembering who owed me money. Uh, <laughs> so, as I mentioned earlier, that tells me that he was a very good blacksmith and he had a lot of business. And so he develops his numbering system and then takes the numbering system and develops an accounting system to keep the record so he can remember. Wow. And there's a quote that he one time when he went into, uh, it, it was, uh, I think he was in his blacksmith shop there, that, that he said that, you know, I could put a right my symbols down on a piece of paper. I could lay it down and walk away. Two years later, I could come back, pick that piece of paper up, and remember exactly what I was thinking two years earlier. And so that was one of the examples he used to try to, you know, to convince people, especially the very traditional Cherokees, that that it could be done. And why it needed to be done. Yes. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's that's the other thing. I mean, they didn't have anything to go on before he did this. I mean. Well, I was going to say, too, this was not a normal um, way of life for them. Right. That, that's not how they lived in their communities before. They right. weren't, you know, mm -hmm. sitting there going, oh, well, if I do this, then you owe me that, and I got to write it down. So it, it, that's interesting how that part of it kind of forced this uh, idea, which is just brilliant. Well, there were a number of Cherokees that, that actually sent their children to the boarding schools, the, mm -hmm. the mission schools, uh, Brainerd Mission, like down near Ch uh, Chattanooga, uh, Spring Place, I think down uh, North Georgia. And so one of the things that ch the Cherokee parents would send their kids, not necessarily for the religion, but to get the education, to be able to learn to read and write in English, to be able to do numbers. And right, so right. Uh, a number of Cherokees were very, very highly educated. Uh, Elias Boutenot, who will come into this story a little bit later involved with the newspaper, uh, he and a friend had went up to university up in New England and so uh, had a traditional university education. Now if I can ask, how did, how did he go then from the numbering system into the, and if you could show us that beautiful syllabary, I, I, I gotta see, okay. our people Once gotta again, see. <laughs> this isn't a simple answer. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think it would be. <laughs> Well, what happens, uh, to give it to you in a nutshell, okay. um, the uh, uh, Sequoia actually, um, he announces in 1809 in his blacksmith shop, there's a group of Cherokee hanging out, you know, people hang out in blacksmith shops and you're kind of trying to get work done and you just end up talking a lot. So, but he's in there, he's, he's in his blacksmith shop sometime in the year of 1809 and he announces to this group of Cherokee, we could create a writing system. We could put our words on paper. And so it's in 1809 he began a 12-year journey in trying to create that writing system. And we know over that time that he tries different types of writing systems. Uh, early on it's like, well, I'll create a symbol for every sentence. Will that work? Well, yeah. We're sitting here, that's a symbol. Let's go outside, that's a symbol. 
Oh, I see what, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. But imagine all the sentences I have said since we started talking and all the sentences you all have said yeah. and trying to remember all those simple. And he realizes very quickly that's not going to work. Right. Um, he also then starts thinking about, well, I'll take a symbol and create, use a symbol to cre uh, for uh, words and symbols uh, or concepts. I'll create a symbol for words and concepts. So, you know, for instance, I have a, if I had a blackboard, I draw a picture of uh, a bird, and that means bird. A concept, I draw a circle with a dot in the circle. What do you think that could be? Bird in a tree. Ooh, bird in, you got it. Okay, circle with a dot out. out. Bird out. Okay, so I've got a bird, I've got a circle with a dot in it, and then I draw a picture of a hand. Bird in the hand. Bird in the hand. So does that work? Who else has done it? And this is what I love doing this. <laughs> All the Egyptians. Ancient Egyptians, hieroglyphics. Of course. So oh, it's yeah, the same thing. Um, but as time goes by, he has trouble remembering the symbols, and he knows if he can't remember them, the Cherokee people would never remember them and never use it. So and they certainly wouldn't develop it further and teach their own children if they yeah. can't remember themselves. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Right. And so there's a number of different stories that kind of are out there about how Sequoia comes up with the syllabary. And, you know, one of my favorite stories actually, uh, Sequoia is out sitting in the woods one day. <laughs> <laughs> and he's listening to the birds sing. Uh huh. Did I mention we have a gift shop at Sequoia Birthplace Museum? Yeah. <laughs> no, yet. but that's a good tie-in, yes. <laughs> but he's listening to that song, and he hears repetitive sounds in the bird's song. And so that gets him to thinking, well, what if I break the sound of the language down? So he starts listening to his family, his friends, his neighbors. He starts pulling out these little repetitive sounds throughout the language, and he gives them symbols. Now, originally, he finds 87 sounds, and he gives those 87 sounds symbols. Now, those symbols come out of his own mind by his own hand. They don't exist pretty much anywhere else in the world. Right. So this, this is another uh, copy of a piece that's at the Gilcrease Museum in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And this is reported, like the numbering system, to be of Sequoia's hand, that he sat down and wrote this out. And he was showing people that his symbols are very flowing. I know it's kind of hard to see, but these little tiny symbols are very cursive. They're very flowing symbols. Not surprising being an artist himself. Right. I'm sure, yeah, what he, what he w would write for letters and what I would write would yeah. look entirely different. Well, and two, there again, there's two stories behind that is um, he got his ideas from like uh, the markings on the back of insects and butterflies and bugs, those inspired him to make those flowing lines. Another person, another thought out there is remember he had become a silversmith, so he would probably learn to engrave. And a lot of this looks like engraving in a way. <laughs> oh, so, right, yeah, yeah. So, um, so sure. I think both probably influenced Sequoia in the way that he created oh, these symbols. Yeah. Unbelievable. Now, we roll ahead in time, we have a problem. We want to buy a printing press, and we'll come back maybe and talk a little more about this if we have time, but we want to buy a printing press. And so Sequoia and the gentleman Elias Boutenot, he's the one that's appointed by the Cherokee Nation to go buy a printing press, and he raises money to buy the press. But when he goes to, to look at buying the printing press, to print 
this, to print one of those brochures or a book. Imagine every single symbol was a little piece of lead type right. that you had to set. Right. Then you put it in the printing press, put ink on it, put a paper, pressed it, and right. peeled it off. Right. And then you went to the next page and the next page until you right. had your book or magazine or newspaper printed. So you had to have thousands of lead type to print a book, to print right. a, a newspaper. Well, they couldn't afford to create the type oh, the, the, of Sequoia yeah. symbols. Yes. So Elias Boutinot yeah. and several others, maybe Sequoia could have been involved, but then this is, uh, they create this. Now, if we look, we see D's, and we see 4's upside down. We see W's, we see G's, yep. we see C's. Yep. We see Z's. Vari mm -hmm. variations of C's and G's. Right, and V's, yep. These. so if you notice, that made it cheaper to buy the type because the moles existed, Already. and they could go ahead and cast it. Now, you'll see a few places. It's hard for me to kind of look around here, but, like, here's an S with a line through it. Well, you could just take the mold and etch that line in sure. there. Yeah, when yeah. you cast it, then there it was. Uh -huh. So it cost a little more, but not much more. But it made right. it look different. Um, and then there's a there's symbols like here uh -huh. that exist nowhere else in the world. Right. And those symbols make it uniquely Cherokee. Right. So. Yeah, I see several on that syllabary. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So. Well, I'll tell you what. We're going to take a quick break. Well, we are. And just before we take a break, though, we have uh, uh, Julie Christie in. Oh, hello <laughs> in Scotland. Yeah, she's watching us from Scotland. How so. are things in Sterling, my yeah. dear? <laughs> so, so glad you could join us. And uh, actually, I hope you find this interesting yeah. uh, from, from uh, our standpoint of the Native Americans of uh, America. So. But yeah, we'll be back in uh, just if you a little bit. Come right back in a couple minutes, so stay with us. <laughs> Mountain. This attraction has it all, whether you're two years old or 90 years young, with hundreds of beautiful tropical birds and thousands of flowers, plants, and trees. Folks who visited our park have said, I've never seen this many birds in one place. This must be what the Garden of Eden was like, the most beautiful and peaceful place I have ever been. These gardens rival the best, the best value in the Smokies. You'll want to visit Parrot Mountain and Gardens. Call or visit us online. We'll see you there. Right the board.
Hello. You may recognize us from Mountain Fun Life TV show, Storytime with Santa and Mrs. Claus. And here are the stories that bring the TV show to life. The Santa's Elf series of children's books features wonderful rhyme and beautiful corner-to-corner -corner illustrations and include a special message from Santa at the end of each story. I wrote the books and Mrs. Claus did the artistry. Available in hard and soft covers, these books are available wherever great children's books are sold, or online or at our website, thenorthpolepress.com. There are seven already published and more on the way. So pick up one or more of these books and read them to your kids today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. This is this is exactly what I'm doing. Boy, we could go on for hours. On yeah, we just, really could. On it's just a, a what a topic. fascinating man, yeah. and what an incredible yeah. inspiration to to his people and uh. to everybody that that learns about him. Oh, I am so pleased Charlie came down. Yes. And, and you should see all the, well, you are going to see all this stuff because yes, we're going to make him show really you wonderful some of the with, things yeah. that he's got here. Mm -hmm. And this is just a small part of the Birthplace Museum. So yeah. you really need to go to the museum itself and learn more about this. But Charlie, can, can you talk about some of the things you brought us today? Um, well, this uh, brought our traveling display with us that, okay. that we we got it last year and uh, used it in Oklahoma. And then uh, the last conference was outside and uh, they couldn't use it because it was so windy. But uh, so this was my third, uh, second time of actually using the display. Uh, we had this to kind of illustrate and show folks uh, the new exhibit. And actually we kind of created a timeline. So you kind of walk through Sequoia's life. You can kind of see the major things that happened to, to him. Um, and uh, kind of how he goes through and creating this, the syllabary. Um, and of course, it gives a nice opportunity to see, um, uh, you know, like I think you're looking at uh, Sequoia right now during uh -huh. the War of 1812, right. uh, when he was during the Creek War. And um, then uh, on the other side, one of the things that I'm kind of proud about is uh, we found an acorn printing press. Uh, which is the same type of press that the Cherokees bought. Which is know. almost impossible to find. I'm sure. They bought a Union Acorn printing press. And uh, I found my one of my mentors, my board member, in, uh, Dr. Dwayne King, who uh, was actually most of his research was used for the exhibit. Uh, he and I both found two uh, Union Acorn presses, but they were in other museums and they wouldn't let her, let her get her grubby little hands on them. <laughs> and, uh, so, through searching, I found this incredible gem, uh, gentleman um, um, uh, that was, he was in uh, New Jersey. And he actually, when I, I told, told him what we were doing at the museum and that we were looking for uh, a Union Acorn Press, and he said, certainly said, well, you'll never get your you know, hands on one of those. And he said, but guess what? I happen to have an Otis Tufts 1833 acorn printing press. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Now, I kind of oh. keep saying acorn. I, I, it's not showing on the screen right now, but do you see the shape? Yeah, the it looks yeah. like an acorn upside down. It's the yeah. exact same technology. This is uh, probably six, seven years newer than the Union Press, but it's the exact same design. It's the exact uh, technology, technology that the, the Cherokees were using down at New uh, wow. Chota, New Chota. 
Man. That is just amazing. Wow, that is, that is just so impressive. Well, and you had mentioned uh, at the break, you wanted to talk about the Blockhouse a little bit more with regard to uh, Sequoia and how that all tied in because that's all right in the same time yeah, yeah. frame. Yeah, and, and right in the same area, yeah. Well, you've got to remember that, uh, you know, the Cherokee were an oral uh, society up till the point when Sequoia created the writing system. And even, uh, you know, people were continued. Cherokee have been known as just incredible orators, being able to give speeches and talk for hours. So, yeah. <laughs> um, and to, just to do persuasive arguments and to, you know, and they were just very good speakers. And uh, so when you get into storytelling, storytellers know that sometimes you don't let the truth get in the way of good story. <laughs> so, Nonsense. Where have we ever heard that? <laughs> so that, that actually leads to some problems, uh, you know, and um, I've actually had uh, three different movie folks, uh, documentary people that have approached us at the museum, oh, we want to do a film, a, a documentary on Sequoia. And two of them I never heard from after the first couple of phone calls. Um, one of them, he finally called me back after about uh, two months, and he said, there's no way we can do this. There is so much contradiction. There's so many stories. I mean, there's out-and-out -out lies about Sequoia. There's big, big, tall tales about Sequoia. There's misconceptions, misinformation. There's contradictory information. And then there's what we know. And so it's very hard to go through there and pull it all together. And so Anytime you have a legend, Mm -hmm. Anytime that you exactly. you've had somebody who's been a bigger than life person, person. it's impossible yes. to to stick strictly to the to the you know the line, if and, you will. Yeah, and there's and always rumors, always rumors, always, and, always and rumors, misconceptions, are, yeah, and false yeah. facts, yeah. and <laughs> yeah. So and and again, you got to remember this is going back. To when they signed the Declaration of Independence. Yes. Well, that, he was born around that period. Right, yeah, 1776. Yeah, he was born yeah. right around the time yeah. the, the Declaration was signed. Well, as we know, the longer you go in history, the more embellishment takes <laughs> oh, place in true. all the stories. So, so, yeah, so that doesn't surprise me, and especially... He's such an accomplished man. Right. I mean, an incre he, a well, soldier. He was a father. He was, a, you know, statesman. a tradesman. He was, you know, he developed the the syllabary. Sorry, I'm going. <laughs> well, I, I get so excited. Sorry. I suppose too that you know sometimes we we don't know the impact a person like that will have when they live amongst us. Right. Oftentimes, it's history that dictates how famous they are. So you really are relying on those individuals who knew him right. and whether they, again, oral history of what they remember about the man or maybe some written history also that they, they put to paper right. about the man. But it's probably not as much as what you'd like, right. because it's like after the fact of going, wow, uh, <laughs> he was a famous man. So uh, I imagine that, yes, there's all kinds of uh, rumors. But you, one you wanted to dispel, though, is that he did, it wasn't from 18, or the War of 1812. Right. 
that he wanted to develop or had the idea to start developing uh, an alphabet. It was more at local at the Blockhouse. Well, it, you know, what happens is, you know, the story, one of the stories out there is that he, he sees the officers writing orders. Mm -hmm. And uh, the section of the, the museum where, of War of 1812 is uh, the Creek War is called uh, Words Win Wars. And it, you know, he the story goes. He's amazed that uh, that you know this officer can write down on a piece of paper. You know, Captain Smith, bring your company here on Wednesday. And this little piece of paper, you know, is carried by a runner. And you know, three days later on Wednesday, Captain Smith shows up with a hundred men in his company. Mm -hmm. And you know, and, and so that seed is planted. Well, the seed, as I said, is that's eighteen fourteen. Right. He announced in his blacksmith shop in 1809 we could create a writing system. He'd been hanging around, he lived near the Telco Blockhouse. Mm -hmm. That's where I feel the seed was planted, where he would see the officers writing orders. He would mm -hmm. see uh, the men reading letters or writing letters, uh, reading books. And that is where I think that seed that he thinks about. And, you know, there's um, a number of the very um, uh, the word I'm looking for, uh, the very traditional Cherokee looked at Sequoia and thought, "This, you're insane. You're crazy for even trying this. If the creator had wanted us to do this, he'd already, <laughs> he'd already given it to us. Right. You know? But their society was changing so rapidly at this point. And as you said, you've got Jackson trying to make them more like the white people that lived mm -hmm. in the area. So even Jefferson. our Jefferson, Jefferson yeah. yeah, you yeah. know, so all of this is changing right yeah. before their eyes. So it doesn't surprise me that Sequoia would say, "Well, we need to change too, right. and be more like this." He was more of a visionary, yeah. obviously. Well, I've heard several Cherokee scholars say that basically the Cherokees go through five thousand years of human existence in a in a in a thousand in a hundred years, you know, from you well, know, yeah. Uh, so, you know, things are definitely changing. Culture, the men's role, which was uh, warriors, to be out, you know, to go hunt, to fight, to protect the, the, the town, the clan, your family, you know, to provide the food, um, you know, to, that was their mission. The women were to take care of the children, to, you know, to, to raise the children up, uh, to grow the, the food, to give right. birth, right. And give birth, the plants give birth out, out of the earth. And so, you know, this Americanization is changing that because it's now telling the men to be um, to be the farmer to grow yeah, right. the, the, the plants, right. and the woman instead of just you know being the the growing and raising the plant to be the domestic, you know, make cheese and make butter, right, you know, right. and stay in the cabin, you know, tend to the tend yeah. to the house, and so you know there's a lot of things going on culturally uh, within the Cherokee. Um, which, which brings up a, a really good question, and I'd love you to address this. He had such an impact on the Cherokee people. Would it, what were kind of the long-range ramifications after he developed the syllabary, and what happened to the Cherokee people from that point on? Well, one of my, my, one of my other heroes, uh, men that I really admire, uh, I got a, I didn't, did I mention we have a gift shop? I bought a. You know, I, I think I heard something about that, you know, with birds. I, I bought a and, and, you know, and I'll tell you what, before you, before you answer my question, that brings up a good point. Yeah. Here, 
if you want to see the website, this yeah. is the website for the Sequoia Museum. And he probably even has the gift shop on yeah, I think, it. So. I, I think he does in, uh, in his shop. Uh, but it is the, um, the, the it's sequoiamuseum.org is the name of the uh, website and obviously there's got a lot of wonderful information including directions and, and such and as hours about, and days and yeah, yeah. how to get so. there and then uh, we also have um, they also have a Facebook page and that is Sequoia Birthplace Museum is their uh, Facebook page so make sure you go to that and and like their their Facebook page. Yeah, in case we don't answer all your questions, yeah. and believe me, we won't, because there's so much to this man and his legacy. But anyway, getting back to that, so how did that wind up affecting the Cherokee people going forward? Well, the, to bring this around to why we have a gift shop, and I bought a <laughs> bumper sticker in the, at the gift shop. We have some bumper stickers that uh, Sam Houston for president. So um, <laughs> Sam Houston is another incredible. Wish uh, he was running now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he's another incredible man. Uh, he's born and uh, raised uh, seven years old up in Virginia, but then they moved down to Greenback. So yes. he lived... Uh, most say Maryville, but it's more Greenbacks where the home was. Uh, he ends up running away from home, uh, goes down and lives uh, uh, with Chief Jolly on uh, Jolly's Island, which is Hiawassee Island now. Mm -hmm. um, and he learns Cherokee. Uh, he's at the Battle of Horseshoe Bend along with Sequoia and the 600 Cherokee. Um, but uh, I can talk a, a long time on Sam. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, really? <laughs> No. As if one legend wasn't enough. I know, and he, and he has a schoolhouse in Maribel. Yes, yes. That, that is an awesome sight. It is. Um, and when he would do during lunch or during the day, he would take the kids out and sit by the spring, and they would eat, and he would tell them Cherokee stories. Um, ah, so it, man, uh, to get away, Sam said that to paraphrase him, he said that uh, what Sequoia did uh, was worth more than two bags of gold in every Cherokee's hand. Wow. Uh, to be able to give uh, the Cherokee people uh, the power of literacy, to be able to write things down, to be able to read their language. Um, immediately they started, once they got the printing press, they started translating the Bible, they started printing hymns, hymn books. Uh, they did, uh, they started the first bilingual newspaper in the United States was mm. the Cherokee Phoenix. It was the first tribal newspaper in the United States. Um, Wow. There's some it, of those collections are extended, like they would send them to New York Library or they send them to over to Europe, England. Um, and so, uh, you know, what Sequoia did is just in 5,000 years of human civilization and all the records around all the world, no one person who was illiterate has ever created a writing system by themselves. And Sequoia is the one that did that. And so that's why we that build schools and name them after him. Uh, museums and you know and, and I mean really it is such a tribute for um, for the Cherokee that uh, you know it's it's as they say knowledge is power right and if you have the ability to write then you also are able to uh, get all those stories uh, the oral history 
and get those in in writing as well. That's what so, I was going to say. Imagine yeah, all the so history that would it, have been it, lost if yeah, we hadn't mm -hmm. developed this. And especially, as we said, the, their culture changed so so radically, and all of that would have gone away and not yeah, been not, remembered. Uh, not remembered at all. Going I forward. Mean, it, so it's that's a, just it's an incredible gift. Now, just qu quickly, because um, we, we have to, to kind of start wrapping this up. But I, I actually wanted to make a, a comment that on the um, Sequoia uh, panel that you brought in, that is a familiar face to me from the movies, <laughs> and that's the actor Wes Studi. Mm -hmm. That now, how did he come to uh, come to your museum and, and obviously become part of this? Well, the, the board, just, they wanted to get Wes Studi, uh, his uh, niece, uh, uh, Delana Studi, uh, she is in, we've, we've got two films and, uh, and this picture, a painting that comes to life. And the first film is of uh, Werta, Sequoia's mother, and uh, she's singing to him. And it's, the, the whole thing is, uh, you know, here this baby's born on the frontier and how does he get, and then, you know, the thing kind of, boom, gets to, shows the Capitol and, the, you know, the statu statutory hall where, you know, how did this baby end up with a statue of yeah. the 100, 100 most, you know, uh, famous Americans or, or right, citizens right. of the United Influential. States. Influential, yeah. yeah. And so, you know, he's one of the statues that, that is in the rotunda there. And um, so Delana's in that, and so she's West's mother. In that, but then in the second theater, uh, it's kind of a, um, it's one of the, uh, a shadow theater. So there's items there and I liked it. I didn't think I would like it at first, but then, you know, being a historian and into clothes and into uniforms, you know, I, you tend to focus on all that stuff going and not listening to the message. With the shadow, you just have the shadow. So it's Wes and it's uh, the little girl, but it's Delena doing the little girl's voice, so he's she's his daughter, and then Sequoia, oh, and then he's Sequoia, <laughs> and you just see the shadows, but you see, you know, the, the images of the, you know, trying to create uh, hieroglyphics and, uh, you know, trying to come up with a system of being able okay. to use the syllabary, and so, and then the, the third pit is a painting where it's West Studi, and you push the button, and he comes to life, and he kind of challenges you, you know, that he had hardships, and you know, people were not all for him. But, you know, he kept pressing on until he accomplished, you know, uh, and his greatest pleasure was the fact of seeing his daughter being able to read and write in her own language, you know. I bet. So, Marvelous. you know, yeah. that's, Oh, that's just incredible. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, wow. oh, my gosh, you know. <laughs> okay, we're going back with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Boy, well, I'll tell you, know, and again, we could go on. Oh, I mean, the, 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 Charlie's just getting warmed up. Well, we've obviously just <laughs> skimmed. skimmed, but we want to thank you so much, Charlie, I mean, for joining us. This and was incredible. Giving us a little education of Sequoia and the the incredible, really incredible man that he was. Real, real quickly. I mean, I know you can look it up on the website, but. Why don't you give us your hours and days? Uh, we're open every day, uh, seven days a week. Uh, we're open from 9 to 4, Monday through Saturday. 
and 12 to 4 on Sunday. Uh, we kind of adjusted. We had a gentleman show up yesterday right at 4 because our brochure says that we're open until 5. But, uh, oh, okay. But our new COVID hours are we shut down at 4, and that way we go through and disinfect everything and mop everything and, you know, clean okay. yeah, the exhibit, yeah, clean mm -hmm. uh, the gift shop. Did I mention the gift shop? You uh, mentioned yeah, the Yeah, shop. I think you did. Oh, but, you know, there is one thing I want to mention, though. Ordinarily, the Birthplace Museum also has several events through the year. Yes. Now, due to COVID, they've been canceled. They've yes. all been postponed. Yes. And, but, yeah. you know, again, check out their website because yeah. they have all kinds of wonderful events yeah. that normally yeah. would take place during the year. We're, so, if you're playing a. a we're going to try to do kind of a virtual. Uh, our, our fall festival is coming yeah. up. It's always the weekend after Labor Day, and what we're going to do is try to get some of the, the or to get the warriors from Cherokee, uh, the warriors of Anagadua, get uh, the friends of the Museum of the Cherokee, and have them come over, and we're going to do, uh, have the warriors do a dance or two, have oh, uh, the friends do a, some demonstrations, video that. Oh, wonderful, um, wonderful. And then, kind of a little special thing, is we had a townhouse which was starting to rot, and we'd actually tore it down and piled it up to burn it. And one of my friends, one of the warriors said, whoa, 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 let's do like the old ones. And we'll you know, make music, sing, uh, tell stories, dance. And, oh. and then they would burn it, you know, when they, they would burn the old townhouse. Yeah. And then they would put a layer of dirt over the top, you know, and have this ceremony and, and a celebration, I guess, uh, during the fire, during, while they burned it. And uh, so, Last year, there was a drought hit, and we couldn't do it during our festival, and so we've been waiting to try to do that, and hopefully uh, we'll be able to virtually, I'd like to make a t-shirt that says the 29th annual Sequoia Birthplace Museum Fall Festival, um, virtual festival, and then on the back it would say, I wasn't there. So. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> Well, that sounds wonderful. Missed it. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. make sure, again, that you, you stay tuned to the website. And, you know, one of the things that this showcases for um, our visitors uh, to the Smokies is that there's so much here for you. Uh, you know, in addition to the, the, the Smoky Mountain National Park and all the different um, Dollywood and the sh theaters and the shows and the restaurants and things, there is a tremendous amount of history. So for those that are interested in exploring a little bit about uh, what's uh, what has happened in and around this area, you will not be disappointed. Well, and that you? and that'll bring up another point. By the way, some of these places you want to talk about social distancing. Yeah. It was like when we went to the Fort Loudon mm -hmm. Museum, we were almost the only ones there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to worry about wearing yeah. a mask if you're the only one there. Yeah, uh, well, but we were outside. Now, you do require masks the, in the museum. Well, the Ford is now requiring masks in the visitor center there. Yes, the yes. inside the, 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 the mm -hmm. center. Yeah. And then at our place, we require masks as well. Right. Uh, and social distancing. And we're, only, we're limited to 15 people because our, our exhibit alleys are kind of very narrow in several right, places. Right, right. Uh, 
there's only been a couple of times that we've actually had to ask people to go out and visit outside some of the exhibits outside until we thinned out the folks that were in the in the building so okay. but you but you have that availability to you know yeah. if the weather is decent outside boy there's a lot of garage a lot of there stuff, to, yeah, to go out and explore a, a lot of stuff you'd be outside. surprised what all is out there we yeah. i mean we were looking at that going I want to see that. And, I want to see and that. we will be uh, yeah, uh, in, doing a lot. Yes, so so uh, we so don't watch for that. Yeah, yeah. So we'll, we'll get in there. <laughs> Maybe we'll even see Charlie again. And, yeah, <laughs> get, get our Facebook Live. Um, but anyway, of course, uh, we wanted to just uh, tell everybody that uh, you know you need to tune in to Mountain Fun Life to find out what's happening. Of course, Wednesday is entertainment with uh, uh, James Gilly and. Uh, Jim Johnson. Uh, and then uh, mm -hmm. actually on Thursday we have uh, Chris and Savannah and then uh, uh, we have... Um, yep, they've got something yeah, special they have this something weekend. Special this, uh, this you know, weekend. they're talking about the uh, Where's Valley uh, um, event Alive. going on. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, so uh, and then you of course get sports some information with Rich. On that. So, and then, yep, yeah. Rich Haley and, ah. and sports on Friday. Well, thank we you. are so busy here, but, yeah. <laughs> you know, you could be too. <laughs> well, thank you again for joining us. We always appreciate uh, you being here with us, and, and we hope that you enjoyed this show as much as we did. So be good, be kind, and we'll see you next week with another special show. We've got a real special guest next yes, week. Yes, we do. So. We do, so stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs>